Hey boys and girls, welcome to the best podcast in the history of mankind. It's Monty's Rockcast. And now here's your host, Monty Calvin. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Rockcast. I am your host, Monty Covid. Huh? That's right, I said it. I figured, you know, that's all anybody ever wants to talk about anymore. I'll just change my name to COVID. And I know it doesn't make any sense, but really, uh, nothing about any of this bullcrap made any sense. You could go to Walmart and Target and the grocery store, but you couldn't go to Hobby Lobby, which kind of sucked for me. Because I'm an artist and I need paint and brushes and canvas in order to make money. But somebody decided that those items weren't essential. So I didn't get to buy supplies for about a month and a half, but the other day Hobby Lobby finally reopened. And so I went in, I found my canvas and paint and took it up to the cashier. And she was standing there with a mask on and a little plastic guard in front of her and I paid her and went on my way. And when I got out to my car, I thought, why couldn't I have been doing this for the last month and a half? There's no reason for that. I've been pretty upset about the whole thing because I don't think any of it had to do with a virus so much as it had to do with control. And I've been pretty pissed off about having my constitutional rights taken away. But then I get on Facebook and find out there's a whole lot of people that seem just fine with being locked down. In fact, they wish it would just go on for a lot longer. I know one person who's that way, and that's my stepson, Draven. This global pandemic does not bother him in the slightest. When they shut his school down, apparently he thought that meant he was supposed to just shut everything down, including all motivation. He's just one of these kids who, no matter how many times I tell him, he can't seem to remember to turn off a light or shut a door, whether it be, you know, the front door of the house or a refrigerator door. He also has a hard time closing containers or packages. To me, it's really not that hard to put a clothespin on a bag of chips, but uh, apparently he just doesn't have time. And the one thing he just absolutely refuses to do is put anything away. If he makes a PBJ for lunch, well, hey, I'll just leave the jelly out on the counter. The ants might get hungry. And if something happens to fall on the floor, well, don't even think about him reaching down to pick that up and throw it in the trash. Not only is that going to take way too much energy, that is for somebody else to do and not his problem. How precious is that? All that said, I love the kid, and I actually admire the fact that someone could be that thoughtless of others and not let it bother them one little bit. I wish I could be like that, but unfortunately, I'm an adult, which kind of reminds me of a song by Pursuit of Happiness. Sometimes my head hurts and sometimes my stomach hurts, and I guess that it won't be long. I'm sitting in a room with a bunch of people whose necks and backs are aching, whose sight and hearing's fading, who just can't seem to get up. Speaking of hearing, I can't take too much loud music. I mean, I like to play it, but I sure don't like to rack it. Noise, but I can't hear anything, just guitars screaming, screaming, screaming. Some guy screaming in a leather jacket.
Yeah, that was Pursuit of Happiness with I'm an Adult Now. And that was for all my listeners in Canada, since they're probably the only people who have ever heard of Pursuit of Happiness. But anyway, I think I kind of got off track there. I started off talking about the coronavirus and ended up talking about my stepson somehow. But I think everybody by now is just about fed up with all the COVID talk. And I've got my own theories and opinions about it, as I'm sure you do too. And you're welcome and free to think whatever you want. But please do me a favor and don't be one of those guys that goes on Facebook and says, If you don't agree with me, you can unfriend me now. Because chances are you and I won't agree on anything politically, but, uh, you know, if that's what you want, I would be more than happy to unfriend you. You're a nice guy! Okay, enough about that. You know, usually on this show, I answer your questions and read your top tens. But today, I thought I'd change things up and make this show all about me. It always is. Yeah, I know. It sounds crazy, and I run a huge risk of losing listeners. But I'm willing to take that chance. That's very bold of you. So if you're one of those people who hate me, uh, well, I'm sorry. Uh, You picked the wrong episode to listen to. But just try to bear with me, and uh, I don't think it'll be too bad. Prepare for the worst. Okay, well, let's start this get-to-know-me episode of the Rockcast with something I found on Facebook. It was a random question that said, what is your memory of your elementary school years? This was decades ago. All right, well, I went to grade school in Phoenix, Arizona. That's where I grew up. And some people would say I still need to grow up, but that's beside the point. Yeah, but uh, I remember that we lived in a mobile home. My dad had his own upholstery shop, but uh, we were not wealthy people. I had a brother who was 11 years older than me, but uh, he went into the Air Force when he turned 18, and so I grew up basically an only child. And this was in the 60s, and so there were no video games and stuff like that. So I used my imagination, and I did a lot of things outside. I rode my bike, I played basketball and Little League baseball, and I was able to walk to school without fear of being kidnapped. It was a different time. But I had a lot of good friends, and some of them I'm still in contact with today. In fact, Robert Donati is on my friends list on Facebook, and he listens to my podcast. You wonder why. But the thing I remember the most about grade school were the teachers. They all just seemed really old and uh, like they just hated kids. And of course, my favorite class was P.E. And the teacher was this old dude named Mr. Emmett. And he must have been about 70 at the time, and he looked like the most unhealthy person on earth. And I'm not making this up, but he'd be out there chain-smoking while he was telling us to run laps. But how times have changed. Uh, I go to these parent-teacher conferences for the boy, and his teachers are these young hot chicks that look like they just got out of college. And most of them are super nice, and they love kids. And so when it comes to grade school, uh, I guess I was just born in the wrong era. Ow, wow, wait a second, man. What do you think the teacher's going to look like this year? Whoa! Oh! 
here's something else I found on Facebook. It's a little quiz called Never Have I Ever. And you're welcome to play along at home. The question is, how bad is this going to be? All right, there's 20 of these, and uh, you're supposed to give yourself a point for each thing you haven't done. And by the end, hopefully you will have a better understanding of who I am. I can't get enough. All right, let's start at number one with never have I ever skipped school. Uh, Well, I know I didn't in grade school or high school, but I know I did in college. I took this course called Mini Physics, and it was like one credit, and I thought it would be fairly easy, but no. When it comes to math and science and stuff like that, my brain just doesn't work that way. And so I just quit going, and uh, I had planned on dropping it, but uh, I forgot. And I ended up flunking it, Uh, but you know, I was an art major, and I was like 20 years old, so I, I didn't really care that much. You're an idiot! Number two is never have I ever broken a bone. That's true. I get a point. I've lived 61 years so far and never broken a bone, and I'm very thankful for that. And probably the main reason for that, besides just being fortunate, is that I've never done a lot of crazy, risky stuff. I did play basketball for years, but, uh, you know, I'll never ride a motorcycle or uh, doing any of that shit that they do on jackass or uh, ridiculousness. (laughs) Number three is fired a gun, and I think I did when I was a kid. Uh, My dad had a little bitty rifle, I think it was like a twenty-two, and I think I did fire that, so uh, no point. But number four is never have I ever done drugs, and that's true, unless you count pain medicine for my kidney stones. But never smoked pot or anything like that, and most people are just so amazed by that. They can't believe that I was a musician and didn't smoke pot or do drugs, but no, I just uh, never wanted to. But I don't know whether it's my voice or my hair or the way I look, but uh, people just assume I'm a stoner. Right. And every time I go to a concert or, I mean, I could just be walking down the street and people will come up and go, hey, dude, got any weed? (laughs) But no, I've never done drugs. You're smoking the pot, aren't you? Okay, dudes, Uh, number five is never have I ever been in a limo. (laughs) You should be drug tested right now. Uh, Yeah, I actually have been in a limo many times. Back when I was touring with Galactic Cowboys and we were on Geffen and Metal Blade, they would send uh, limos out to pick us up and take us to the airport and stuff like that. And uh, it was nice. But the last time I think I was in a limo was uh, when Lindsay and I got married. Uh, We got one in Vegas. But uh, let's see, number six is never have I ever gotten a tattoo. And no, I never have. uh, I have no tattoos on my body. My wife has three, but I have none. And uh, most people are kind of surprised at that too. You know, a musician without tattoos these days is uh, kind of unusual. But uh, just never, uh, never really wanted one. And mainly because I could never think of anything that I would want on my body forever. But I'm always amazed at some of the tattoos that people will get. Like, I love watching these tattoo shows like Ink Master. 
And you'll get these girls coming in there with really nice legs that go, yeah, I want a tattoo of a frog right in the middle of my thigh. And I always think, uh, of all things, why a frog? But number two, uh, you know, she does realize that's not coming off, ever. But if you ask me, I don't think people should be allowed to get tattoos unless they're at least 21. Because most people, when they're 18, aren't capable of making a good decision about anything. For example, I know this one kid who had a line from The Walking Dead tattooed on her ribs. And it said, uh, just survive somehow. And I thought, you know, I get it. Living at home in your parents' house and having cable TV in your bedroom and Wi-Fi on your laptop while eating ice cream from your mini fridge, uh, it's just tough. Totally. But when you're an 18-year-old spoiled brat, you know, uh, it's just the cross you must bear. It's unfair. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Number seven is uh, never have I ever ridden a horse. Well, actually, I have ridden a horse. In fact, I used to have my own horse. My dad, Bud Colvin, uh, bought me a horse when we were in Oregon. So I guess you could say uh, it was the horse that Bud bought. Don't know what the hell he's talking about. Number eight is never have I ever sung karaoke. And no, I'm going to say no. I've never done that that I can remember. It looks like it'd be fun and probably something a musician would enjoy, but I guess I've just never been to a karaoke bar yet. Well, why not? Number nine is gotten a ticket. Uh, Yeah, are you kidding me? I've gotten lots of tickets. Usually for speeding, and it's not like I'm an extremely fast driver or have sports cars or anything. Most of the time, it's just something stupid like going 65 and a 55. Oh, wow. Adam Carolla refers to those as chicken shit tickets. It's where the cop is just kind of hiding somewhere over in the bushes and nabs you. And I always think, uh, don't you have something better to do like catching real criminals? I guess not! Uh, Speaking of criminal activity, uh, number 10 is never have I ever been arrested. And no, that would be like getting handcuffed and the whole bit. Uh, No. But uh, how about number 11, gone ziplining? No. That would be something that my wife does and loves and wants me to do, but I refuse to do. What a pussy. Like I said, I'm not a real daring person, and I know that kind of makes me a wimp, but the other thing I am is cheap. And the last time Lindsay went ziplining, it was like 50 bucks per person. So I said, you know, you go ahead and go. For 50 bucks, I could buy a couple of t-shirts or a used guitar pedal. Uh, I'll pass. You are such a cheapskate. Number 12 is, have you ever been on TV? And yes, I have, many times. When I lived in Houston back in the 90s, a PBS station there did a little mini documentary on me called Monty's World. It was only about 10 or 15 minutes long, but uh, they talked about my music and art and uh, stuff like that. Same thing happened here in Kansas City. A local TV station did a thing about uh, my music and art, like usual. But the coolest one by far was when Ben and I were on Headbangers Ball. I was a big fan of that show, watched it every single week, never missed it. And all of a sudden, there I am sitting on the set next to Ricky Rackman. And I wore my Marsha Brady gets hit in the nose with a football t-shirt. And Ricky liked my t-shirt, uh, but I just don't think he liked us. 
but it was a very cool experience and a dream come true. Now, obviously, this is one of those stories that probably never took place. Number 13 is never have I ever been on a cruise. And no, I have never been on a cruise. I've heard they're great from everybody I've talked to, but uh, have never been on one myself, not yet. Lindsay and I are supposed to go on one in November, but this is 2020, which is, if you don't know, the year of disappointment. If it's up to Dr. Fauci and most of the governors in this country, we may not be doing anything ever again. We've already had three concerts cancel on us, but uh, I'm just hopeful that somehow, uh, some way, that maybe, just maybe, we'll get to go on our first cruise. Don't you say that! There is no hope! Okay, we are up to 14, which is never have I ever gotten a piercing. Well, no, not even my ears. I think piercings are kind of like tattoos. They look good on certain people, but they're just not for me. You see, when I was in high school, very rarely did you see a guy with an earring. And when you did, you were like, okay, is it the right ear or the left ear that means you're gay? What? But eventually, everybody had an earring to the point where it was no big deal anymore. And that's when people started going, well, if I want to be edgy, I better pierce something else. So, how about my tongue or uh, my nipples? Oh, that hurts. Yeah, and so these days when my teenage stepdaughter comes in wearing a nose ring, that's when I say, uh, yeah, you know, maybe uh, piercings aren't all that rock and roll anymore. You're just a bad parent. Number 15 is never have I ever smoked. Oh, hell no, I never have. I think cigarettes are one of the most disgusting things ever invented. They age your skin, they're bad for your lungs and your heart, and God, do I hate the smell. And as far as cigars go, well, the main reason why I don't smoke them is because I've never seen a guy smoke a cigar who didn't look like a total douche while he was doing it. Especially if you're doing it with other guys who are doing it as well. I know you all think you look cool, but no, you look like a bunch of douchebags. But hey, if you want to sit in a room by yourself with the door closed, uh, go for it. Just don't post a picture of yourself on Facebook. Looks very douchey. That was an all-girl band called the Donnas with Smoke You Out. (laughs) Get it? 
uh, was talking about smoking. That song is horrible. All right, where was I? Okay, uh, 16. Never have I ever met a celebrity. Well, no points for me on this one because I've actually met quite a few. In fact, I probably met about a dozen of them uh, doing that Airheads movie. Got to hang out with Adam Sandler and Brendan Fraser and Steve Buscemi. I also got to meet Dr. J and Larry Bird one night in Orlando. And so, yeah, met all kinds of celebs over the years. I am incredibly impressed. Uh, Number 17 is never have I ever been skydiving. And you can give me a point on this one because there's no way I've ever been skydiving. How much of a wimp are you? Okay, here's a tricky one. Uh, Number 18 is never have I ever had a one-night stand. And I think we all know what they're talking about here, and I'm going to say no. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't really want to get into it right now, but uh, let's just say I uh, passed up on a lot of opportunities over the years. And there's times when I wished I hadn't of, uh, because uh, I bet that would have been a lot of fun. (laughs) All right, let's move on to number 19, Never Have I Ever Skinny Dipped. Oh, yeah! Well, I'm not getting any points for this one, because uh, I may not have ever had a one-night stand, but I've kind of made up for some of the stuff I missed out on when I was younger uh, the last 10 years of my life. Whoever said all the fun stops when you turn 50 was wrong. Last year, Lindsay and I did a little frolicking in the ocean down in Texas. And I gotta say, uh, it was uh, one of the better experiences of my life. How inappropriate. And finally, uh, number 20 on the list. uh, Never have I ever been drunk. And I actually do get points for this one because, uh, no, believe it or not, I've never been drunk. I don't know what that's like, and uh, I don't have any desire to find out. Over the course of my life, I've been around quite a few people who were drunks and alcoholics, and I frankly just find it kind of sad and obnoxious. And I'm not trying to be judgmental. If you can drink and handle it, uh, whatever, that's up to you. But I've just seen alcohol destroy people's lives and their families, and I hate it. It's not a holier-than-thou or a religious thing with me. It's just something I've decided to stay away from because, honestly, I've got enough problems. If I started drinking, I'm pretty sure I'd turn into the biggest drunk on the planet. Because you're such an a-hole. Okay, so if you played along at home, it's time now to add up the points. And by my calculations, I had I had 12 out of 20 things that I've still never done, which I believe makes me a very boring person. Yes! Now, just for fun, I also asked Lindsay how many things on this list that she'd never done, and her total was three. Whoa, whoa! I'll leave it up to your imagination as to which three she's never done. But I know for a fact she's never been skydiving or been on a cruise. Aha! All right, let's switch gears now and uh, do some listener emails. And I was recently messaging back and forth with Jimmy G in Chicago. And he was wondering if I was watching that series on ESPN about the Chicago Bulls back when they had Michael Jordan. And I told him yes, I watched it and I thought it was really good, but I was kind of surprised. I didn't remember Michael Jordan being such an arrogant a-hole, but I guess he was. 
I mean, he was nowhere close to being the self-absorbed narcissist that uh, King LeBron is. But, you know, he was definitely full of himself, and maybe that's what it takes to be great. But I just can't even imagine what it would be like to be under that kind of pressure all the time from the press and uh, always being followed by fans no matter where you go. And Jimmy G said, you know, you ought to read one of Neil Pernt's travelogue books. He said, now there was a guy who could not deal with people being fans and wanting to get too close. And he said, so hey, Monty, did you ever have a fan who treated you like a god or who just gave you the creeps? Wow, well, where do I begin with this? Well, let me just start off by saying the majority of the people who write me or who I meet uh, are very cool. I love getting your emails and hearing from fans, and I will try to answer virtually any question. And I've always tried to be really approachable with people because, you know, I'm, for the most part, just a regular guy. I do regular guy stuff, and like most people, I have flaws. But that's where it gets tricky. The people who see me as the bass player for Galactic Cowboys from back in the 90s usually can only see me as that guy. And they probably don't even understand who I am, but uh, they can only see me as that. The musician, bass player, songwriter, artist. The problem I've had a few times over the years is that once people figure out that I'm just kind of normal, they either feel like it's okay to be a jerk to me at that point, or they want to knock me off the pedestal that they put me on to begin with. It's like they suddenly decide that I don't really deserve what I have or what I've achieved. And I basically don't have any patience or tolerance for those kind of people. Because I'll tell you, I didn't just luck into what I have, I worked my ass off. But most of the fans who write me are really nice, and I've even become really close friends with some of them. But has anybody ever creeped me out? Uh, yeah, maybe one or two. And, of course, I'm not going to say who it is, but uh, there was one person who would write me an excessive amount of emails just about every week. And some of them were a little weird, but uh, I kind of felt sorry for him in a way, so I would write him back. But eventually the emails got weirder and weirder and almost kind of insulting, and so I finally just said, you know, I'm done. Red alert! Totally creepy! Alright, I got another email here from uh, Stephen Connecticut. And Steve says, I really enjoyed the last couple of episodes, especially your A to Z list of bands you have seen. I can't believe you were able to see so many bands. I mean, who can afford so many concerts after seeing KISS? I think I might have spent about two million bucks on them alone, and I've only seen them five times. Mm-hmm. Well, here's my little secret, Steve. I've seen KISS three times, but I've never paid to see them even once. The first time, I went with Brian Slagle from Metal Blade Records, and he bought the tickets. Second time was when a friend of mine named Justin Dunlap said, Hey, I bought tickets. Meet me in St. Louis. And I said, Will do. Third time was last September when Ben's cousin Eric Singer left us tickets at Will Call. I don't have the hookups that I used to because, man, back in the late 80s and 90s, uh, I rarely paid for a show. How is that even possible? Back in the 90s when I was playing in Galactic Cowboys and even The Awful Truth, 
we would play all these clubs and uh, you would get to know the owners or people that work there. And sometimes I would just show up and they'd go, yeah, go on in. And so I just saw a ton of bands and concerts for free. And there were actually some bands that I've thought of since I made that list that uh, weren't on the list, like Driving and Crying. Didn't even know who they were before I went. And another time I went and saw this uh, band called Dan Reed Network. And they were just amazing, hung out with them afterwards. Uh, Another time I saw Soul Asylum, and they were really good. So I had a lot of hookups, but before Galactic Cowboys got signed, I would also work as a stagehand. And they paid me like 15 to 20 bucks to show up and load the gear, but uh, I could also hang out and watch the show. And that's how I saw Prince, and uh, another time I saw Sheryl Crow before she was big, and uh, Crowded House, I think, was headlining. But going back all the way to my awful truth days, I mean, I was dirt poor at that point. And one night I was listening to this college radio station and they said the replacements were coming to Houston. And I knew I couldn't afford to go, but the guy said uh, the next caller with the answer to some trivia question will win two tickets to go see the replacements. And I happened to know the answer to the question, and so I called them up, and I won the tickets, and I went... Extremely exciting. They played this little hole in the wall called Power Tools. Paul Westerberg walked into the bathroom and peed right next to me, but I was too nervous to say anything to him. And I've regretted ever since not saying, dude, you are one of the greatest songwriters of all time.
Let's do some more emails. I got a couple of questions about Galactic Cowboys and me. Because this episode is all about me. And don't you forget it. Actually, none of us really care about you. The first one is from Matt in St. Louis. And he says, Hey, Monty, how does it make you feel when a guy types in all caps on Facebook, Galactic Cowboys Never Age? Have you heard it enough yet, or does it, um, never get old? Well, yeah, Matt, I've definitely heard that enough, but I really only have myself to blame. And if you don't know what Matt's referring to, that was a line in a song that I wrote back in 1989. And it was originally called Galactic Cowboys Theme Song, and we were going to put it on the first album. But our A&R guy from Geffen was like, nobody has a theme song. So we were like, all right, so uh, let's just write another shorter version and call it Ranch on Mars Reprise. And within that song is the line, Galactic Cowboys Never Age. But where did that come from? And why would I make such a stupid statement? No one really knows. Well, here's the deal. In 1989, I had just turned 30. And I know this is going to sound hard to believe, but at that point, I was like, oh my god, I'm turning 30, my life is passing me by. And 30 sounds so young to me now, but uh, back then I was like, oh god, what am I going to do? I'm getting old. But then I thought about some of my friends who were older than me, and they were still playing, and uh, you know, you got guys like Mick Jagger, and that dude just seems like he's going to rock forever. And that gave me the inspiration just to not worry about age. And I've just tried to continue that mindset ever since. I just try to think young. I don't always feel young physically, but uh, mentally, I still feel like I'm like 30, 40 years old. And I'm not just saying that, because here's a good example. Now he has a story to tell, and what a story. So the other day, I go to this store, and yes, I found a store that had actually reopened. But of course, everything's still stupid, so as I go through the door, there's a lady there with a mask on. And she obviously works there, but she starts saying something to me like, And I can't understand her through the mask, but I'm like, "Uh, what? And she says, And I still couldn't understand her, so I asked her again. And she tells me that no one under 60 can be in the store until 10 a.m. And it was 9.45, and I said, so you're telling me I have to leave? And she said, yes, I'm sorry, sir. And so I turned around and walked out the door, and as I'm going to my car, I'm like, what a bunch of bullshit. And it really pissed me off, because I have had it with this social distancing. But I go to a different store and get what I need, and I head back home. And when I get there, I tell Lindsay, you won't believe what just happened. They wouldn't let me go in the store because they wouldn't let anybody under 60 be in there. And that's when I stopped, and it finally dawned on me. Wait a minute. I'm 61. I could have stayed. (laughs) Jeez, man. So, yeah, I felt kind of dumb, but, uh, you know, that's just kind of the way I think. I don't think of myself as an old person. That's for somebody else. You're delusional! But I hope that answers your question, Matt. Thank you for sharing your honest feelings with me. 
The next email is from a guy who, like Matt in St. Louis, is an excellent musician and a good friend. It's David Smith in Georgia. And David said he's been going through all the old episodes that I have posted. And he's wondering if I've ever discussed the development of my bass tone from the beginning till the present. Uh, Well, David, uh, yes, I've actually uh, talked about that several times. But, uh, you know, what the hell, let's do it again. I don't want to hear it! So let's start at the beginning. I actually started playing bass out of necessity. I played guitar in a couple of cover bands, but around 87, a friend of mine who lived in Houston uh, let me know that this guy named Morgan Cryer needed a bass player. And I lined up an audition with him, and uh, I knew if I got the gig, it would pay, and uh, I could move to Houston and go on tour. And so it all sounded great. The only problem was I didn't own a bass. So I drove a couple of hours to this really cool uh, guitar shop in Springfield, Missouri. It was called Third Eye Music. And I found this 70s Rickenbacker and I bought it. And I practiced for a couple of weeks, flew down to Houston and got the gig. Well, Morgan was on this label called Star Song, and after I moved down there, I talked to one of the guys at the label, and I said, hey, do you think uh, you could front me some money to get another bass and maybe some equipment? And he said, okay, so uh, I went to a music store, and I found this Ibanez Roadstar bass. It had active pickups in it, and it played really nice, and I also found this little bitty Galleon Kruger head. And I don't remember where I got it, but I also bought this PV cabinet. And it had two 10s and two 18s in it. And the combination of those three things just sounded killer. And all I did was plug in and, uh, you know, it was like somebody taking a sledgehammer and beating a piano with it. And everybody that heard my tone back then thought it was great, except Morgan. His music was more of a, you know, kind of cheesy Christian pop rock, and it didn't really fit with that. And come to think of it, maybe that's one reason why he let me go after about a year. Could be. Yeah, but uh, after I left Morgan, I got in the awful truth. And for a while, I was still playing the Ibanez, but uh, then a couple of things happened. The first thing was that one night I went to see Motorhead. And in between songs, Lemmy would strum his bass, and it just sounded brutal. It was just so distorted, and I went, yeah. And so I started looking for guitar pedals that uh, would help me distort my bass. And one of the first things I used was one of those old green tube screamers. And that sounded better, but it wasn't quite enough. And so what I did after that is I found an old used uh, Kramer 8-string bass in a pawn shop. And it wasn't the greatest bass, but uh, combined with the distortion, it sounded like a guitar and a bass were playing at the same time. And since The Awful Truth was a three-piece, it helped fill up all that space. And that was really cool, but that wasn't quite enough. And what happened after that was I said, you know, I'm going to keep the Galleon Kruger as my low end, but instead of the tube screamer or some distortion pedal, I'm going to get a Marshall head. And when I added that guitar amp in there, the monster bass sound was born. Massive! It was just full-on death and distortion. And I pretty much kept that sound all the way through the first Galactic Cowboys album. 
But when we got ready to do the second one, Space in Your Face, I decided to back off of the distortion a little bit. And by that point, I had a Hamer 12 string and an 8 string. But actually, what I used on most of that album was a Hamer Chaparral 4 string. And I love that bass. It had a really tight sound, but it also had a really nice ring. Since then, I pretty much changed my bass sound a little bit on each album we've done. I used a Fender P bass on Machine Fish. And by the time we did Horset Bud Bot at the end of the day and Let It Go, I was using my Zons. And mostly my four string. I also used the Zon on my Crunchy albums and uh, also on the Last Galactic. And for amps these days, I use Ampeg for the low end and I use a Mesa Boogie triple rectifier guitar head for the high. Let's wrap things up with some odds and ends. First up, I know I'm a type 2 diabetic, but sometimes there's some things I just can't resist. Mostly are my wife's cookies. I think she's trying to kill me. But the other day I went into a convenience store and they had Dr. Pepper cream soda. And I pretty much given up drinking soda altogether. But I love Dr. Pepper and I love cream soda and I thought, combined, are you kidding me? I've got to try it. And I did, and I gotta say, uh, it's okay. Nothing great. I'm disappointed and sad. Next up, I wanted to give some shout-outs and thank-yous to David Smith, Kenneth Vanderstelt, and Eric Reedus for buying my Crunchy CDs. Also, big thank-yous go out to William Alexander, Gary Harris, and my niece Sharla Murphy. They all bought and commissioned me to do paintings for them. Also, a big gigantic thank you to my buddy Jeff Moore for making an extremely kind donation. You have no idea how much I appreciate it, and you guys are literally helping to pay my child support and electric bill. But you know, it's not just the money, it's also the encouragement that I get out of it. Because I'll be honest, there's been some days over the last few months that I've gotten really, really depressed. I struggle with that stuff just like a lot of people do. And sometimes uh, little kind gestures will give me a real lift. For instance, the other day, something really cool happened, and a lot of you may already know about this. But a few months ago, a guy named John Willis commissioned me to do a painting of Billy Sheehan. And when I got it done, he had me mail it to Billy Sheehan as a gift. Well, a couple of days ago, I get this message on Facebook, and it says, Hey, Monty, thank you so much for this wonderful painting. I'll find a place of honor for it in my home. We absolutely love it. Wishing you the absolute best, your friend, Billy Sheehan. Epic! And as if that wasn't enough, a couple of minutes later, I get a selfie from Billy of him holding the painting. And I wrote back and said, Oh, dude. Thank you so much for that. You rule. And Billy writes back and says, no, you rule. Wow. So that just totally made my day. I'd met Billy about three times over the years when we were on the road. And besides being probably the greatest rock bass player of all time, he's just a super nice guy. And so that was just an absolute honor. And so to celebrate the occasion, I'm going to take you out with a song that uh, is probably my favorite by Mr. Big. 
I'm sure y'all know it. It's Green Tinted 60s Mind. But that's going to do it for me for now. Uh, Let me know what you thought of this Get to Know Me episode. I mean, how much worse does it have to get? I'll be back soon with more fun and mayhem. But until then, take care. And could we just get back to normal? And I don't mean the new normal. I mean the old normal. I want to go to some concerts and ball games, damn it. Lindsay and I were supposed to be in Los Angeles right now, seeing System of a Down, Corn, Faith No More, and Helmet. But no, they won't even let you go to the beach out there. So instead, I'm stuck here in misery. I mean Missouri. And now I'm getting depressed again. But whatever, just remember, don't let anyone tell you what to like, unless it's me, Monty Covid, and Rock On. Yeah.
This has been Monty's Rockcast. This is over.